0: Good morning. If you have a Bible, please turn to the Gospel of Luke. I love that song. That will be at my funeral. (laughs) Except we're going to sing, I am home in the promised land. We're in the book of Luke. I've been preaching through the book of Luke. We're right near the end of chapter 20. We're just going to read a couple verses today. Uh, Luke chapter twenty, verses forty-one through forty-four. Luke chapter twenty, verses forty-one through forty-four. Let's pray. Well, Father, we do stand right now on Jordan's stormy banks. Lord, this is a a stormy place to live. Father, that's just the way our lives are in this fallen world, it's just full of storms and we are very, very thankful that this is not the only place there is, but there is a fair and happy land, the promised land, a a heaven that you have purchased for us through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, that through faith in Christ, we are truly bound for that fair and happy land. But Lord, we recognize that we are not there yet. And Father, in this stormy land, we need your daily help, we need your daily grace to sustain us and support us and, and strengthen us. And so, Father, we look to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we ask, will you please, Lord, use this time in your word to, to do those things. We pray, Father, that through your word you would supply us with grace today. We pray, Father, you would fill our hearts you, uh, with light. We pray, Father, you would fill our, our souls with your spirit, Lord, and and cause us to, to run towards Canaan's fair and happy land. We thank you, Father, for this time in your word now. In the name of Jesus, amen. But Jesus said to them, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord, so how is he his son? Amen. Back in 1974, in a a heavyweight boxing title match in Zaire, which was called the Rumble in the Jungle, uh, George Foreman fought Muhammad Ali. Foreman was favored to win the fight because of his superior punching power, and early in the fight, Foreman forced Ali into the ropes and began to punch him relentlessly. A a beating that really lasted for several rounds. Ali was just leaning back into the ropes and covering his face and torso. Many observers that day thought that Ali was being beaten horribly. Some were concerned that they might actually see Ali get killed that night. But unbeknownst to George Foreman, and unbeknownst to just about everyone else there that night, that beating was just part of Ali's plan. By leaning back into the ropes when he was punched, Ali was letting the ropes absorb most of the shock from the punches, and after a couple rounds of that, Foreman had punched himself into exhaustion, and Ali then counterattacked and knocked Foreman out. Publicist John Condon later named Ali's technique that night the rope-a-dope, leaning leaning back into the ropes and allowing his opponent to punch himself dopey, the the rope-a-dope, a a technique that Ali then went on to use very effectively with many other opponents for years to come. And you know, for the last couple of passages here in Luke chapter 20, Jesus has basically been rope-a-doping the Jewish religious leaders. Uh, Jesus is just a few days from death at this time. He's been teaching daily in the temple, and for the last few passages here in Luke 20, the religious leaders have been relentlessly attacking Jesus, asking Jesus all kinds of questions designed to trap him, all kinds of verbal punches. The the leaders have been throwing at Jesus one after another, and Jesus has basically been leaning back into the ropes and letting them swing away, saying just enough after each of their questions to escape their traps and, and silence them for the moment, making them look foolish time and again in front of the crowds there in the temple. But in the passage right before this one, the religious leaders finally stopped punching, for the time being anyway. In that passage, Jesus silenced them one final time, and Luke said there in verse 40 that the religious leaders then no longer dared to ask Jesus any more questions. And now here in this passage, which we're looking at this morning, and in the next couple of passages, which we'll look at the next time I preach, in these three little passages right in a row here, Jesus basically comes off of the ropes now and counterattacks. And Jesus now finally goes on the offensive against these Religious leaders. And in this little passage that we're looking at here this morning, Jesus does one primary thing, and here it is Jesus exposes their inadequate concept of the Messiah. And these, these religious leaders here, in in front of Jesus on this occasion, standing in the temple, religious leaders in front of him, that they believed that God was going to send a Messiah to Israel someday, but but their concept of the Messiah, that their understanding of who that Messiah would be was completely inadequate. A severely limited and, and inadequate concept of the Messiah, and Jesus exposes it here in this passage. And how does Jesus expose their inadequate concept of the Messiah? Well, Jesus basically throws a little riddle at the religious leaders here in this passage. This word puzzle of sorts. You know, most people enjoy a good riddle every now and then. I do. Uh, even though I am really bad at actually solving riddles as a kid, I, I couldn't answer most of the goofy little riddles on the side of the Dixie Riddle Cups. Uh, where do cows go on a Saturday night? I had no idea that cows went to the movies. <laughs> and Jesus has basically just given these religious leaders here a riddle, a, a word puzzle of sorts taken directly out of the Old Testament but Man, this riddle that Jesus has given them here, man, this is not a simple little Dixie cup riddle. No, this thing is a fairly difficult riddle. Not that easy to solve, not not that easy to figure out exactly what Jesus was saying with this riddle. But man, w- once you do solve this little riddle here, you, you realize that with this riddle, Jesus was saying some amazing things about himself. So let's just walk through this little riddle here for just a bit. If you look at verse 41 again, Jesus starts with this. He says, how can they say that the Christ is David's son? And and Jesus just started there with, with something very simple something that was true, uh, something that that everyone in Israel at this time knew was true. Everyone in the crowd around Jesus on this occasion, everyone in all of Israel at this time, they knew that that the Christ or the Messiah would be a son of David, a descendant from the line of David, a distant relative of King David. The most famous king in Israel's history, this famous king who had defeated a a giant named Goliath and then had ruled over the people of Israel very successfully for 40 years. The people in Israel knew that the Messiah was coming from the family line of David. And how did they know that? Well, the Old Testament books had promised it repeatedly. Throughout the Old Testament books in the Bible, which were all written long before Jesus was ever born, throughout those Old Testament books, God promised repeatedly that he would one day send a Messiah to Israel. The Christ, this Messiah who would somehow save God's people. And and God said on multiple occasions in those Old Testament books, God said that this Messiah would be a descendant of David. In Second Samuel 7, for example, a famous prophecy about the Messiah, God said this to David. God said, I will raise up your offspring after you, David, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom, and your house, and your kingdom shall be established Forever. And in Isaiah 9, another famous prophecy about the Messiah, Isaiah said this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David. And over his kingdom. Man, all kinds of these these Old Testament prophecies where, where, where God indicated that the Christ, the Messiah, would come from the line of David. And the people in Israel at the time, they knew the Messiah was coming from the line of David. But man, here's the thing about the, the, the religious leaders in Jesus' day. The religious leaders, they believed that the Messiah would be just a human descendant of David. Just a physical, earthly son of David. And the religious leaders believed that if this Messiah was just a human descendant of David, well, the Messiah would in some ways actually be inferior to David. You have to remember, man, this, this, this was a Jewish society here. And, and the Jewish people back then, they, they, always, they almost always considered the older person in a family line to be greater and worthy of more respect than a younger person in the family line abraham was greater and worthy of more respect than isaac isaac was greater and worthy of more respect than jacob and on down the line the older person of family line was almost always considered to be greater and worthy of more respect than a younger person in that family line. And man, as far as these Jewish religious leaders were concerned, that would be the case with King David and his, his descendants. David, man, after all, he was one of the greatest of all Jews. He was, he was the, the, the most famous king in all of Israel. King of kings in their history. And any descendant, any, any son... Who came after David? Well, that descendant would in some ways be inferior to David, even the Messiah, this physical descendant of David, these religious leaders here that they believed. They believed that the Messiah, man, he would do great things in Israel. They they believed that. They they believed that this messiah would, would would bring about some sort of political revolution in Israel. But these religious leaders still believe that he would just be a human descendant of David. A physical earthly descendant of David. And because of that, the Messiah would in some ways be inferior to David. A lesser David of sorts. (laughs) So what does Jesus do here with these religious leaders? He points them back to the Old Testament. (laughs) He points them back To something that David himself had written about the Messiah. If you look at verse 41 again. Jesus says, How can they say that the Christ is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls him Lord So how is he his son? (laughs) Jesus just quoted there from Psalm 110 verse 1. Another very famous Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. There's the verse. Psalm 110 verse 1, the verse Jesus just quoted there. You can see that the superscript of the psalm says that it was Written by David. And notice very carefully in that verse there. I want you to notice very carefully what David said. David said, the Lord said to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. <laughs> David speaks there of two lords. <laughs> he refers to two different lords. The Lord said to my Lord. Lord, And who are those two lords that David was referring to there? Well, that first lord there is pretty obvious. You can hopefully see in the, in the back there, hopefully see that that first lord is written in all capitals. And any time you see the word Lord in the Old Testament in all capitals in your English Bible, <laughs> the translators are trying to tell you something. That right there is the translator's way of indicating to you that the original Hebrew word there is the word Yahweh. We just sang the name Yahweh earlier in a song. That name, Yahweh, is the name of God, the very personal, the very special name of God Himself, God Almighty. So the first Lord there in that verse is clearly Yahweh, God Almighty. And the second Lord there is a little less obvious, but it's still very clear whom David is referring to there. The Hebrew word behind that second Lord is not the word Yahweh, it's the word Adonai, it's, it's a much more general Hebrew term that could refer to any Lord or Master. And the rest of Psalm 110 makes it very clear that that second Lord or Master there, the Adonai in that verse there, is the Messiah, the Christ. So David is talking right there in that verse David is talking there about a conversation that occurs between Yahweh, God Almighty, and Adonai, the Messiah. David's saying something like this right there. He's saying, the Lord God Almighty says to my Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And the main point, the main point that Jesus was making... When he quoted that verse to these religious leaders in the temple, the main point that Jesus wanted to hammer home with these religious leaders was that David, King David, the great and famous king of Israel, the king that the religious leaders believed in some ways was greater than the Messiah and worthy of more respect than the Messiah, well, King David actually called the Messiah his Lord. My Lord. My Master. Huh, man. And Jesus is basically saying this religious leaders, you think that King David is in some ways greater than the Messiah? You think that the Messiah is in some ways inferior to King David? You've got to be kidding me. Because King David himself called the Messiah, My Lord! My Master! And that means that the Messiah is not inferior to David. No, the Messiah is actually Superior to David, greater than David, and worthy of much more respect than David. (laughs) Man, the Messiah, and Jesus is just saying to them, the Messiah, the son of David you talk about. This physical descendant of David that you talk about. This son of David is also somehow the Lord of David. (laughs) Man, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. When David called the Messiah, my Lord, right there in Psalm 110, my Lord, my Master. Well, the Messiah wasn't even born yet. So religious leaders tell me, answer my riddle, (laughs) solve the puzzle. How in the world could the Messiah be both the Son of David and also the Lord of David? How how in the world could the Messiah be, be a distant Son of David a distant relative of David. And yet, before the Messiah was even born, also be the Lord of David. How is that possible? You remember, um, you remember the old Batman cartoons? My brother and I used to watch them after school where they'd write the words up on the screen. for Kaboom! Pow! Man, I love that. I don't even think I can read the words yet, but they look cool. You remember the Riddler? Everything he would say every time he wanted Batman to solve a riddle for him. (laughs) Riddle me this, Batman. Riddle me that. And that's basically what Jesus just said. Riddle me this, religious leaders. Riddle, Riddle me that. How in the world could the Messiah be both the Son of David and yet also the Lord of David? And you know, there's really only one possible answer to that riddle. How how could the Messiah be a distant son of David, a distant relative of David, and yet before he was ever even born, also be the Lord of David? Really only one possible answer. The Messiah must be something more than just a human. Something more than just a man. You think religious leaders... The Messiah is just a human descendant of David? Just some physical earthly descendant of David? No way. Your, your concept of the Messiah is severely limited. A completely inadequate and unscriptural concept of the Messiah. The Messiah can't possibly be just human. No. He's something more. Something much, much more He's not just a human Messiah. He's a divine Messiah. He's not just a man, but also God. (laughs) The God man Messiah. A man who who is David's son, David's physical descendant, but also a God who is David's Lord and master. Who is actually David's creator. (laughs) A God-man Messiah. A man... You know what Jesus is ultimately saying to the religious leaders here in the temple, here in this passage? You know, he's not just exposing their inadequate concept of the Messiah. He's not just trying to show them here that the Messiah is more than just a man. No, you know what Jesus is ultimately saying to these religious leaders in this passage? He's saying this. Religious leaders... This Messiah, this God-man Messiah, who is both the Son of David and also the Lord of David, here's the thing, that's me. That's me. This God-man Messiah that King David was talking about in Psalm 110, you're looking at him right here, standing in front of you. <laughs> and Jesus, he, recently here in the book of Luke, he, he's been claiming to be the Messiah in lots of different ways. Now, he avoided the question early in the book because of what the people expected from a Messiah. Their, their expectations were wrong concerning the Messiah. Jesus avoided the question early in the book. Recently, Jesus has been clearly claiming to be the Messiah, and Jesus has now just declared himself to be a God-man Messiah. Both the Son of David and also the Lord of David. Man. And Jesus is both of those things. Jesus Christ is the Son of David. He is a distant relative of David. He's a physical descendant of King David. And all through the book of Luke here, Luke has been going out of his way to show us that Jesus is a direct, physical, lineal descendant of King David. Luke's going out of his way over and over again to, to tell us that. At the birth of Jesus, in Luke one twenty seven, Jesus' father Joseph was identified as being from the house of David. In Luke one thirty two, the angel Gabriel told Jesus' mother Mary that, that God would give her son Jesus the throne of his father David. Luke 2.4, Jesus' family was identified as being from the house and lineage of David. Luke 3, Luke gave us this long genealogy that directly linked Jesus to David. Over and over again, Luke has been telling us, Jesus is the Son of David. Jesus is the Son of David. But, but more than that, Luke hasn't been just trying to show us that Jesus is the Son of David. Luke is going above and beyond the call of duty to also show us that Jesus is the Lord of David. Luke has been showing us that Jesus is God, the eternal Son of God, with all the power and authority of God Himself. Luke 5, Jesus forgives sin as God. Luke 8, Jesus calms a hurricane as God. Luke 7 and 8, Jesus raises the dead as God. Luke 9, Jesus is uh, transfigured and reveals His glory as God. Over and over again, Luke is saying to us, Jesus is God, the eternal Son of God. He is both the Son of David and also the Lord of David, the God-man Messiah. Oh man, you think about it, man. As a man, Jesus was born from David. But as a God, Jesus actually created David. That is crazy. Jesus says it like this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Jesus says it like this, I, Jesus, am the root and the descendant of David. I am both the root of David, the divine root that created David, I am the God root that originally produced David. And I am also the descendant of David. A human, physical descendant of King David. Both the root and the descendant of David. Both the Son and the Lord of David. That is an amazing statement by Jesus Christ. And right there you are peering into the mystery of the incarnation. An eternal God taking on human flesh and being born as a man. The God who created David taking on human flesh and being born from the line of David. That's the mystery of the incarnation. Man, this little passage here... (laughs) Man, this passage is crazy. When you really stop and think about this thing, crazy in a good way, mind-blowing way. Man, this passage gives us a window into so many different things. This passage here in the book of Luke, it, it helps us understand so many different things. It helps us understand the person of Jesus. It helps us understand the Incarnation. He is both the Son of David and also the Lord of David, both God and man. But man, do you realize that that little passage right there, it also helps us understand the Trinity. I mean, you, you think about it. How in the world could David, back in Psalm 110, how in the world could David say, the Lord said to my Lord? How does that work? The Lord God Almighty said to the God-man Messiah, (laughs) how does that work? There aren't two gods. The Bible's clear that there's only one God. (laughs) But there are three persons in that one Godhead. The Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons in that one Godhead. Godhead who love one another intimately. (laughs) They have intimate fellowship with one another. And they even talk to one another. The Lord said to my Lord. Amen. You you go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. It shows us that what was really happening in that conversation back in Psalm 110, what was really happening was that God the Father was talking to God the Son. God the Father talking to Jesus, the Messiah. (laughs) In a little passage, it helps us understand the incarnation, the person of Jesus. It helps us understand the Trinity. But you know what? It also helps us understand The exaltation of Jesus. Did you happen to catch there in Psalm 110, or did you catch it there in Luke chapter 20, did you catch what the Lord did say to the Lord? (laughs) Did you catch what God the Father said to God the Son, what God the Father said to Jesus the Messiah? Look at verse 42 again. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Until I make your enemies my footstool. My word. Those words right there. When David originally wrote them in Psalm 110. When David wrote those words. God was telling us there through David. What would ultimately happen to the Messiah after his death. He would be exalted to the right hand of the Father. (laughs) Do Do you realize that, do you realize when Jesus right here, standing in the temple, talking to these religious leaders, he's basically telling them here, I am this Messiah, and he quotes those words right there about the Messiah being exalted to the right hand of the Father, Until all of his enemies were brought under his feet. Do you know what Jesus was saying to the religious leaders there? I know you will kill me. I know it. I am the stone that the builders will reject. Luke 20 verse 17. You will kill me. But listen to me. I will not stay in the grave. I will not stay in the grave. I will be raised from the grave. I will ascend back to heaven where I started. And I will then sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And I will sit there. Until all of my enemies are under my footstool. (laughs) Man. This stone, Jesus is saying here, I think, the stone that you builders will soon reject, it will be exalted and become the cornerstone. (laughs) And when that cornerstone falls on anyone it will crush him. Luke 20, verse 18. This little passage, it opens a little window to what's going on right now in the world. It it, it tells us where Jesus is. (laughs) It tells us where Jesus is right now. In, In our family devotions, we will occasionally recite the Apostles' creed together. At this point, it doesn't always come out just right, but it's, it's getting there. And the Apostles' Creed says, Jesus ascended into heaven, and he sits now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And from there, from there he will come someday soon to judge the living and the dead. But for the time being, Jesus sits in his exalted position at the right hand of the Father, providentially ruling the world. (laughs) Ah, Jesus is amazing, amazing, amazing. Throws this riddle out. (laughs) You don't know if the guy's got it or not. I mean, he throws the riddle out. It's amazing, the depths of it. And in this passage, man, Jesus, he's come off the ropes here. And he is now counterattacking, exposing, exposing their inadequate conception of the Messiah. No, religious leaders, the Messiah is not just a son of David. Not just a physical descendant of David. The Messiah is both the Son of David and also the Lord of David. A God-man Messiah. Not inferior to David in any way, but superior to King David in every way. Man, you kind of step back away from that passage, you look at it and think about it, it seems that God is kind of giving a little take-home message there. And I think in that passage there, God is saying, Jesus is the much greater David. He's not a lesser David. He is the much, much greater David. Man, you, th- you think about David in the Old Testament. He was a great man, Sure. In some ways. (laughs) Not great in other ways, and I can point you to passages if you want to come ask me later. He was a great man in some ways, David was. I I mean, you think about King David... You know, as a little boy, he, he goes out in weakness with, with just a stone. He doesn't have any armor. Don't, I don't need that stuff. <laughs> Give me a rock. You know, I've been working with rocks my whole life. Give me a rock. I'll, I'll take this. Goes out in weakness and defeats this giant named Goliath. And man, because David went out and, and, and killed this giant named Goliath, well, guess what? All the people of Israel who were cowering on the sidelines, well, they win the battle. <laughs> Sweet! We win because David won. Great! So David beats this giant Goliath. David goes on to then rule very faithfully, very successfully over his people for 40 years. Great man, but that great man, that David, was simply a foreshadowing. He he was simply pointing forward to a much greater David to come. Not a lesser David, a greater David. David, Jesus, the infinitely greater David, who went out in greater weakness, without even a stone, just a man dying on a cross. And he defeated on that cross a much greater giant, not a man named Goliath. He defeated Satan and sin and death. And guess what? Because Jesus won that battle, everyone who is on His side wins. Not because you're great, but because Jesus is great. The greater David how do you end up on the side of jesus you don't do great things to get on his side you know what you do you acknowledge that you're a sinner you get on your knees and you repent of your sin turn away from that sin in your heart and man you just cling to jesus in faith and if you do that you're on the side of the much greater David, the infinitely infinitely greater David. And you know what Jesus then does? He forgives you of your sin and he then rules over you. A much greater rule than the little David. And Jesus doesn't just rule over you for a success for a successful 40 years, but forever. <laughs> Jesus the much greater David and and the question that I believe God probably wants to leave with us this morning is this what will you do with this greater David will you reject him like the religious leaders here in this passage will you just maybe play games with him like Lots of fake Christians do? Or will you repent and trust Him and follow Him? If you will, you win. And though you stand on Jordan's stormy banks right now, there is a fair and happy land coming for you. The promised land that Jesus purchased for all of His people. The greater David. Father, we thank You for Your amazing Word. We thank You, Father, just for the amazing statements in Your Word. Lord, we look at a passage like this, and we know there are really only a couple options for Jesus Christ. (laughs) He's either a liar and lied right there, or He truly is Lord. Not just a son of David, but also the Lord of David. And Father, we believe that Jesus never lies. He is God in human flesh, telling the truth at all times. We believe that he is the God-man Messiah. I pray, Father, you would give give us a faith in this greater David. Help us to cling to him, trust him, Lord. No matter where we've been in our lives, no matter what we've done, Lord, will you help us to confess our sins and fall on our knees and cling to the greater David. And Father, we believe, we believe, we believe that for all who cling to Christ in faith, there is a fair and happy land in the future where all of our possessions lie. We thank you, Father. Will you give us faith? Help us to run after Christ, we pray.